Gotta make the run out to Dunks later. There you go. Grab Get out to nice the Dunks. Cup of coffee. Yeah. I love Dunkin' Donuts coffee. It's really good. There's something about it that it's just, it's like a drug. You know what I mean? As you have it, and it's, I mean, it's it's really good. You just get addicted to it. It's like you can go to, the, to wherever and get, like, really nice cups of coffee that are all, you know, brewed yeah. and whatever. But it's, like, some reason you're like, I haven't had a cup of dunks in a while. Anyway, I think it's all the, the sugar in the air surrounding where the coffee's made. <laughs> all that that uh, powdered sugar just gets up into the air and then gets into the, the coffee canister and grounds. And then, boom. Yeah, It's sugar-free. It <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it could of, be. It's got an extra something to it, though, for sure. 100%. Yeah. Maybe a little less now because I don't know how many of the places actually make the donuts still in-house. Mm. It's more just shipping them in to all the different places. But, yeah. That's a great question. Yeah. What the, what the, maybe when you go to Dunks, you can find out. Do some recon. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to. They are local. They are a local company, technically. Just one thing before we start. Um, what made you go into sketch? Actually, I kind of backed into scheduling. <laughs> it was, um, so I was a PM at the time and the uh, head of ops at the company I was at was deciding on a position that they wanted to make where they wanted to combine someone who could help out and facilitate the lean sessions and pull planning sessions and last planner on jobs. And I happened to be the person who had the most experience within the company on kind of our larger jobs. And so they, they kind of asked me, they said, Hey, you know, do you want to do this? But also we're looking for someone to start up the scheduling department internally. Are you interested? And so that kind of came along with the gig, so to speak. Uh, so that's kind of how I backed myself into scheduling. There was, it wasn't a, uh, conscious like, Oh, I want to go into scheduling. It was kind of a, you know, I'm going to take on more of a role in the company to help facilitate and grow lean. And it's also going to be, you know, building up the scheduling department and capabilities in-house. So I had the opportunity to kind of build some SOPs that encompassed everything together. Um, so that's kind of how I ended up getting there. So there was no formal training or anything like that. I just kind of backed my way into it said, yeah, sure. We'll do this. Yeah. Check that out. Listeners, all the people listening, lean was so powerfully important to George. That they said, you can do this if you also do scheduling and start a scheduling group. I think that is the first of its kind, George. It could be. It could be. Yeah. No, it's, um, I know most people look at it and they said, okay, you did scheduling and lean. So it's kind of like a walking oxymoron. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, yeah, no, it, it might be the first of the kind. But that that's kind of what it happened is, I mean, I had experience just on the jobs, at least with scheduling and a little bit of dabbling around in P6. But once that kind of happened, I said, okay, well, I need to kind of switch gears here and really research and, and dive into what it takes to actually be a scheduling department and scheduler. And so, yeah, like I said, that, that always kind of came for me in my brain, at least secondary. But once the, uh, the department got up and running, it was obviously one of the things that the first and foremost that we would handle. But yeah, always tried to get some of the lean into how we actually ran and and scheduled and planned on our jobs anyway. So, I, I think the other thing that people need to know is that uh, you're trained as an architect. And so I am. That's like even more like anti scheduling than than anything else. I think even more so than all the lean experience that you have and what you were doing. 
Yeah, no, it is my, my, uh, I went to college for architecture. So I ended up going through that. And um, my, I had an internship while I was at, at school. And it was with a CM firm who was looking for architects because specifically they were looking, the were kind of up and coming with their VDC and BIM capabilities. And really at the time, the only people who knew Revit were um, architecture students and design, <laughs> design people. So they were like, we need people who are going to be able to use it. And so I did a, an internship there and that kind of did it for me. That sealed the deal. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going back into architecture. I'm going to finish my degree and I'm going into CM. So, yeah. awesome. so I went from the dark side to the dark side and then over to the dark side of scheduling. <laughs> and then you went to the bright side of uh, software. Yeah. Welcome to the EBFC show, the easier, better for construction podcast. I'm your host, Felipe Engineer Manriquez. This show is all about the business of construction. Today's episode is sponsored by Bosch Refine My Site is a cloud-based construction collaboration platform that applies lean principles to enable your entire team to plan, communicate, and execute in real time. It's the digital tool that works in tandem with your last planner system process and puts it all together in one simple collaborative ecosystem system. This easy-to-use platform is available in English, German, Spanish, Portuguese, and French, and can be used on desktops, tablets, and mobile devices. According to Spencer Easton, Scheduling Manager at Oakland Construction, Refine My Site, in my opinion, is the best, leanest tool on the market for the last time Here's what our users have to say. We've looked at three other digital scheduling platforms and none compare to the straightforward approach Refund My Site takes. From milestone planning all the way down to daily tasks, this program gives every general contractor and their trade partners meaningful collaboration, accountability, and KPIs. Register today to try Refund My Site for free for 60 days. Today's show is also sponsored by the Lean Construction Institute. LCI is working to lead the building industry in transforming its practices and culture. Its vision is to create a healthy and thriving industry that delivers outstanding project outcomes every time for everyone. Check the show notes for more information. Now, to the show. Welcome to the show, George Hunt. George, you and I became friends first on LinkedIn and then hashtag IRL. In real life, ladies and gentlemen, and I've had the honor of being on, was it show one? What show was it of your podcast? It is show one. Yeah. So it was oh. part one of show one. Yeah. Part one, actually, show one. Yeah. I think first guest actually out of the gate too. So That's there was three guests me. on that, on that, that episode. And yeah, you were first guest out of the gate. So. And we'll put a link to that uh, show in the show notes so that you can listen to George's masterful interviewing skills of me on that show. That was a lot of fun, George. And we definitely didn't plan enough time for all the conversation we had to do. So we had to have you come back on to our show, the EBFC show. Listeners, pay attention, as you always do. George has some nuggets and some wisdom. He has a non-traditional path, as you heard. But he's got a lot of things to offer, and I think you're going to learn something new. I'm expecting quite a few surprises here, George. And I know oh, you boy. won't disappoint. Okay. No, I will not disappoint. I will do everything I can. I'm not a person who likes to disappoint. So He won't disappoint. And he's already leveled up because 
he has one of the greatest podcast microphones that there is. It's exactly the same one that I have. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yep. We just established that we pretty much have the same exact setup all the way down to the webcam as well. So yes. it's good. Same webcam. It's a small world. So with that, George, please go ahead and introduce yourselves and spare no details. I'll I'll interrupt you if you go too far back into your childhood. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I was going to say, so on a day in October, um, but no, yeah, so let's see, where do I start? So, oh, happy uh, belated yeah, birthday. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes, yeah. thank you. That, that, was, that was good. So that was a nice little birthday. I celebrated the weekend on uh, while we were out there at LCI. So it was nice to roll it into it. Uh, but yeah, so my background, so as we kind of talked about is, you know, I was trained as an architect, went to design school, and then I came out into the CM world and held a number of different positions from starting out in VDC and BIM and modeling and, and coordination, and then kind of shifted to being out in the field for a few years as an assistant super, and then, you know, shifted into the office as an assistant PM. And then, um, as we were just talking about, I kind of took up the position at the company I was at to stand up the kind of internal scheduling department and also take over as, as lean champion within the company. And so that's kind of what I was doing for the last three or four years uh, before I made the jump to where I am now at TouchPlan. Um, so I, I hit up our sales engineering team here, uh, which um, is, is new within the company too, is TouchPlan's experience in a lot of growth. So, you know, they, they've been going out and grabbing some new great talent and kind of building up the team we have here to help build a better offering for, you know, clients and customers and helping them solve the problems that they have. So I'm here now and that's kind of what I do. I get to talk to customers on a daily basis and help them solve their problems, which is a huge passion of mine. So it's working out great. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And George, when you were an assistant superintendent, I'm curious, what was your favorite trade and tell us a story about why that trade crept its way into being special to you? So I think um, it ended up being the electrician. Um, and on a specific job that I was on, we were renovating one of the old mills here in New England, which in New England we have a lot of. Um, it was an old um, you know, textile mill right on a river, very stereotypical, um, but <laughs> they bought it and they were redoing it into some condos and apartments. And so, a a bunch of different buildings and so it was pretty complex and it was actually the first project that I had jumped on as um, an assistant superintendent. So out in the field, um, I'm trying to do the BIM coordination and all that as well as being the assistant superintendent and the electrical foreman, I think just right off the start was super friendly and helpful. I mean, is he was participating in all the, the coordination meetings and just, you know, really nice guy. And not that everybody else wasn't, but, you know, he just was extremely friendly. And then I think I remembered is on the job on a regular basis within the summer is, you know, they would end up having the scrap copper from all the cuts of the wire and things like that. And, you know, people do lots of different things with it. But what he would end up doing is they would end up going and bringing it to the scrapyard, getting money for it, and he would save it. And then at the end of the week for the summer is he would buy stuff and have a barbecue for all the guys on the job site. And so we would end up pitching in and it was kind of what he did almost every job he was at. And so all the scrap copper and things like that, the plumbers ended up joining in and kind of taking theirs and they would kind of go and, you know, turn the scrap copper in, bring the money, and then they'd all kind of buy stuff. And so on a pretty much 
you know, weekly, if not bi-weekly basis, we would have a, a cookout on a Friday and we'd all kind of hang out and, you know, have a few laughs, eat some food during the lunch break and then go back to work. And so, you know, just, I think his, the way how friendly he was and helpful to me, but then also just seeing how he interacted with everybody on the job site. I think it just, it, it was one of those things where I was kind of like, yeah, okay. You know, these, the perception of construction workers out in the field of being rough and gruff and everyone's yelling at each other and throwing hard hats across the room, which does happen, but you know, it, that's not how it always is. It, you know, it, it's kind of nice to know that people out there are still nice and humans and can actually have civil conversations with each other. Um, yeah. So yeah, and I think that's kind of how it went. some beautiful chow too. Yeah, no, it was good because we were lucky enough where there was a, a local butcher shop right down the road. And so they would go, go to the butcher shop, get a bunch of meat and stuff for people. And so, yeah, it, it was, it was really cool. So I think that's what ended up happening. Um, and why I ended up, we'll say gravitating towards the electrician on that job. But to be honest with you is all the trades on that job. And when it came to the foreman, they were definitely top notch. Um, some of the best that I've worked with, um, you know, throughout my career. So that's an incredible story. It's a testament to the men and women making construction happen. Like George said, there are good people out there definitely creating some culture. That's a very good way to create a positive and healthy culture that does honor and respect people. George, thank you for sharing that, that nugget. There's the first surprise. You've already checked that box for me. And, uh, everything else that we talk about now is just going to be bonus material. Awesome. Awesome. So I wanted, I wanted to also ask you in your, you said you mentioned on on scheduling that you were self-trained as a as a young assistant manager and then PM. You're about at the PM area in your career when you're shifting into some of those scheduling things, or where were you in your career roughly? Yeah, yeah, I was right about at the the project management level. So it was it was kind of a discussion of do I take this position on as kind of the next step and, and to kind of build it up, or do I want to stay on the project management track and kind of you know I end up getting the promotion to PM, you know what I mean? And kind of start running my own project. So, um, it was, that was kind of the decision where I was at. Okay. Yeah. You chose, and then you did actually get, uh, I see some alphabet, uh, behind your name. So I know that you've actually trained, you tell people what you earned there and what, what's that, what's that about? And is it, would you recommend it to other people? Yeah. So the PSP, um, certification, so it's through ACE. So AACE, the association of, um, at cost engineers. And so I would definitely recommend it to people if you're looking to, you know, do some formal training and get some credentials behind it. I mean, I think credentials aren't for everyone. And some people, you know, tend to put more weight on them than others. I think when I was doing it is, like I said, I didn't really have any formal training or any sort of background where I was like, okay, this is specifically on the scheduling and planning front. And so I kind of went through and did a bunch of research and there was, that was one of them that I came across that said, okay, this seems like there's an, a good amount of people who have it from a reputable organization. And so I went through and, and did the test. Um, I didn't end up doing any sort of classes beforehand, but you know, I brought up the manual and found the whole knowledge base that you needed to know. Um, and did a little bit of studying and took the test to get the certification. So, I mean, I definitely recommend it for those who are looking for different certifications to have, uh, but I also would say that it's not, in my eyes, at least, it's not something that's necessary to say that, you know, you know scheduling or can do scheduling and planning. Um, I think it's it's one of those things where I feel like it's kind of a toss-up on whether or not people 
put stock into the certifications or not. Um, so yeah, it, it's kind of a personal preference, but it, it's something if if you're into them that it, yeah, I would look into. Is that something that uh, you'd recommend people get their employer to reimburse, or is that something that, as part of your personal professional development, that you'd recommend people take on those costs themselves? So I would say try to get your employer to reimburse you on it, and you know, and from the standpoint that I think the certifications for me at least is that's more of the client facing front facing kind of a thing that you can put on the resume that when they go and put the job um, RFPs out and responses that they can put that on. Oh, this is they're on our team. Here's a bunch of the, you know, the acronyms and certifications they have. Whereas I think, you know, you can go through and learn everything there is behind the certification on your own. Um, so to me, like, I feel like the, the knowledge and the learning that you get from, you know, the journey to get that certification is more for you. And the actual credential itself is more for the company, so to speak. Um, so I would say try and get your company to pay for it. But, you know, if, if you're if you're out there and you're not currently at a company and you think that it's something that would get you uh, the next step and be able to get you that position, then, you know, maybe it's something worth investing in. But I think it, it's it's situational. But, yeah. Perfect answer, George. Again, another nugget of wisdom for all the people. The audience here in the EBFC show, definitely we would classify as a learning a community for sure. And on that note, George, I wanted to ask you some questions about learning and capability development. You've mentioned a lot of different areas. You've done some cool internships. You've worked in different roles inside the industry. What do you offer or what do you want to share with people about the importance of learning and capability development? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing I want to share is that, you know, my journey with lean construction is it definitely started on the surface with last planner and be like, okay, this is a planning tool. We're, we're doing this in planning. And I think the more that I've got into it and researched and heard from people in the industry and just figuring out really what lean and lean construction is, is the more you start to realize that it's not, you know, the, the planning aspect of it and the coordination and all that, that's, I don't want to call it the surface stuff, but that's kind of the results. That's what you get out of it. And that's kind of what you're doing with it. But at the core of it, it, it is about, learning and building our own capability, right? So the last planner and all the cycles of learning and feedback is meant to make us better at planning and make us better at scheduling and talking to each other uh, so that we can get better results on our jobs. And so that's kind of at the core of it. And I think that too often we're taking that approach that this is a tool, this is what we're looking at. And I think we're, we're, we're definitely on a trend now with a lot of us in the industry who are trying to push for that core belief that we're trying to build the capability of people. And that's what we're, we're trying to do at the start. And so I think that's part of where, um, you know, the, the movement, I guess you can call it of folks talking about how, you know, lean the four letter word lean is where, okay, we're not going to talk about lean anymore. You know what I mean? Because I think it, it's, it's been around enough now where people hear lean and they go, okay, I had, some sort of an experience with it, whether it was last planner or an executive came in and tried to push it on the whole company and just whatever. And so there's already preconceived notions of it. And I think at the core of it, whether we call it lean or we call it anything else, it's a benefit to everybody to actually follow the principles behind it and actually get people to learn 
and get better at what they're doing because it ends with a better result. And I think, you know, right now we're doing a lot of really good work in outreach and talking and, and everything else within the industry, you know, not just at LCI, but everyone who does things on their own outside, you know, this show among them is getting people to kind of realize that is really it, it, it's for everyone. So when people go and say, oh, you know, it, yeah, it's a manufacturing thing. It's like, it's not right. You're looking at the surface level of it, of the, it's manufacturing. It's the core of it is about learning. And so, you know, everyone wants to learn. Everyone wants to get better. That's the whole idea behind this is we're trying to get all of us to work in a way that we're getting better all the time. So you don't have to consciously think, okay, well, I need to take a couple hours or it's the end of the week. Now, now is my time to learn, right? It, it's kind of, <laughs> It is a, or we worse, do it George. on a regular basis. <laughs> or you're on yeah. your own time, OT, yeah. your own time. You, can, you can't right. learn at work. You got to learn on your own time, on exactly. overtime, which is, exactly. I totally disagree with. No, absolutely. I mean, we, we need to be learning while we're at work. It's, you know, it as, as scary as it might sound for some employers to think that, you know, people are going to be quote unquote experimenting or trying new things at work to, to learn more, it, it benefits everybody. You mean is that it gets the people who are doing the work better at it. It, you know, it's going to benefit our employers because they're going to get a better product at the end of the day, whether it's they're working more efficiently. So they spend less hours on something or just the quality of the job comes out better, whatever it might be, they get a better quality product at the end of the day. And then same with the owners and designers and everyone else who's there too, is that, you know, you're going to get better quality things. They're going to get done on time. They're going to get done the way that we're all kind of intending it to be. Um, and I, I just don't think that, you know, the industry as a whole spends enough time on that piece of it is understanding that lean isn't just a four letter word. It's not a tool. It's, it's, you know, it's kind of, it's a way of thinking. And I think if we, we kind of focus on thinking about developing ourselves while we're doing our work is I think that's kind of the key here. And so I know it's been a, uh, a project, if you will, of mine is that's what I'm trying to spread and get people to understand a little bit more, um, is that what the core of it is and whether you're doing last planner or you're trying to use scrum or you're trying to do anything is that's kind of at the core of what we're doing here. Right. And so call it what you will use, whatever tools you want to, if at the core of it, like you're getting better at what you're doing and we're, we're getting better as a whole, then, you know, as far as I'm concerned, we're, we're at least making progress there. I completely agree. And I absolutely love the fact that you mentioned my favorite word, scrum. Thank you for that, George. That's a gift. Merry Christmas yeah, to me. <laughs> absolutely. And I'm actually, I'm, I'm taking your scrum master course here this week. So yeah. I, I'm a member and uh, signed up. So I'm, I'm on board there. I love it. I'm going to, I'm hoping to grab some great nuggets out of that and be able to apply it to some who don't know scrum. So you're in for a treat. On there too. Yeah, and I'm going to come back to you for, for feedback on the course afterwards because I think your perspective is so, so diverse. It's going to be really cool to hear what you think about it. And I want to just unpack a couple of things in what you said there. Uh, a lot of people do have a bias against the word lean. Uh, thank you, media in the United States, for making lean such a nasty word that George absolutely is correct and referring to it as the four-letter word inside of large corporations and businesses and construction and even design firms, it is seen as a very negative thing because people tend to associate lean with either 
the very surface level, just eliminating waste, which to a lot of people without understanding what that even entails, looks like extra work. If I have to yeah. get rid of things, that just looks like extra work, but that's a very surface level understanding the the more dark, the darker side, I would say that the media portrays lean. And we've seen a lot of things with the supply chain recently, uh, messages against a just in time type of, uh, supply chain without any understanding of supermarket concepts or inventory buffers, people that just trying to make headlines and splash. They try to try to get us to believe that lean is an acronym that stands for less employees are needed or doing more with less, which is absolutely not the case. John Krafsek and the team that, that coined the phrase way back in the day, they didn't want to call it the Toyota production system. <laughs> they just didn't want to call it that, but it, it was a, a philosophy that at the time when they were studying, it was just very hard to put some language on. And then later in the early two thousands, when people got together at Snowbird and, and created the Agile Manifesto, they also said, because Lean was already negatively perceived in the media, that they didn't want to call it Lean, even though the roots of the Agile Manifesto are deeply embedded in Lean philosophy, concepts, and methodologies. So I think it's just fascinating that we, we don't like it, but it's the best, closest word there is. And I guess uh, we didn't want to just call it learning. Because yeah. our adaptation, so we couldn't be there, George. We couldn't go back in time, you and I, and tell people like probably no matter what they called it, there would be people being negative towards it because it looks like extra work from the out onset if you're looking outside in, or if an executive forces it down your throat. I've seen uh, a couple of recent articles on the Lean Builder. Jesse Hernandez just had a post, and he said his introduction to Lean was some executive saying here you have to do this extra stuff now and that was mm. his foray in which luckily for him that extra stuff actually built some more capacity for him and he got interested and curious and yeah. more but how many people do we know george that they don't have that, that luck of what they get forced what gets forced upon them actually does benefit them i'm sure yeah. you've heard some last planner story nightmares and then i, I want to hear more about your take on last planner too so I'm going to ask you like seven questions and you just pick which one you want to answer. <laughs> but <laughs> no, they're all enough, fascinating. Sure. Yeah. So I'll, I mean, I'll just hit them all. Yeah. Cause you said that, uh, you know, to, to some, when you first are looking at last planner system, it doesn't appear to just be good conversation. It looks like a whole bunch of extra stuff. Doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It does. And, and I think that's, you know, listen is, I mean, are there the jobs where, they don't really do any planning at all. So technically speaking, it would be extra work. Sure. Right. But like, listen, if you're not doing any planning, then you should probably do be doing planning anyway. So yes, let's add this on top of it. You need to plan, right? Like <laughs> we'll, we'll put that there. But, um, but yeah, is I think people look at it as extra work because so much in the, in construction, the, the culture we've built is well, we're not going to talk about this. You're just going to tell me what to do and I'm going to go do it. So when we come to a room and we come and sit everyone down and say, okay, we're actually going to have a conversation about what should actually be happening here and what you want to be doing, uh, because it just makes sense to ask the person who's the expert on it. What do you actually want to do with this? Um, you know, it is people look at it as extra and because they're not used to it and they're not practiced in it. 
and so it it does end up being that initial pull where um you know you're you're trying to drag people along to say listen this isn't extra let's just just come with me here come come on the journey with me and just let you know just look at it let be open to it and let's do it and once it starts to work they're like okay and they start to see that well now that we're doing this and having these planning sessions on a weekly basis and we're having you know whether you're doing the sticky notes or you're using something like touch plan and going digital is what you know just having a more collaborative planning environment is people start going okay well well i don't need to spend the two hours a week three hours a week i used to spend on sundays while i was watching the patriots game to do my schedule for the week it's like yeah i know we all just did it in the regular meeting that we were doing every single week like oh, okay so it's not extra it's actually less than what i was doing before and I have people helping me. So you mean I'm spending less time to get more out of it. It's like, exactly. Right. And so, you know, we're, we're so visual and we're so tactile in construction all the time that we really need to get just, let's see an experience at first to say, okay, you're right. That works. Okay, great. Now let me see a little bit more. It's, you know, let me dip the toe in the water, feel that it's actually warm. And then let me start to go in the full way. And so, I've had plenty of experiences with that, that people I, I've had to sit them down and kind of say, okay, you know, what's, what's the reasoning here and really get down into the, why don't you want to do this kind of conversation and then just get them to trust me enough to say, listen, I'll be there to help along the way. I'll facilitate it. You know what I mean? I get it that you don't know how to do this yet. So let's work along the way here, but just trust me that there's going to come a point where it's going to work. We're going to see some sort of benefit. And then you're going to say, okay, you're right. I don't know why I did it any other way. Um, and so there, there's a great example of it where I had a team and a superintendent who pretty much said that exactly that, like, I don't want to do this. This is stupid, right? Is I've had at, at a different places, we tried to do pool planning before it didn't freaking work, right? Is I don't want to sit down here and all this time with the foreman and bring them in, they need to be out there in the field. Right. And so that energy kind of radiated for the whole team. And so, yeah, the foreman were saying the same thing. We're like, okay, great. So I sat him down and I said, listen, we, we're, we're going to do this, right? Is that, you know, the project exec says, hey, we really want to push and do this. It's going to be better for the client, right? Uh, let's, let me, what, what is it that you don't want to do, right? What, what is it that doesn't work? And his whole thing was that he's like, well, listen, I'm the superintendent. I'm supposed to be in charge of the job. You know what I mean? So it's my plan. I want to be going out there and people are supposed to be following what I do and this and that. And I'm like, okay, well, listen. It can still be your plan, right? Like, listen, you, you, you built the master schedule and you have the overall vision on it. So when we're having these planning sessions, have that for a guide while you're sitting there looking at it. And so if something starts to go and the plan starts to change from what you had big picture, stop and say, Hey guys, you know, we have a milestone that we have to meet here. What we still have to meet this milestone. What are we going to do? Um, and so that was kind of the in-between that I was able to get him to actually sit down in the meeting. Fast forward to the end of that job, and it was about a 10 and a half month job, I think it was, and it was a lab fit out we did for one of the local um, research facilities for, the, for one of the hospitals. He basically was like, I'm not doing this any other way. And he actually got up into that monthly uh, superintendent's meeting and told the team, you know, this was when we were rolling out trying to do much more of a robust weekly work plan process. And, you know, we were at the time rolling out touch plan kind of company wide, as he said, Hey guys, this works, right? It's like, I didn't like it at the beginning. I didn't think it was going to work, but he's like, 
it takes time out of my days. He's like, I don't have to answer my phone every 10 minutes because the foremen are fine talking to each other. And then at the end of the day, anyways, when we do our stand up, he's like, all that comes out in the wash and we figure it out. He's like, it works. He's like, believe me. He's like, I remember when I had the conversation originally with our COO and I was like, there's no way I'm doing this stuff. He's like, and then George came and he's like, I'm not doing this stuff. You know, let's go. He's like, now he's like, I'm not doing it any other way. And the next job that we won because we were so successful on that one, we won a kind of a copycat of that on an upper floor in the building. We said, we're bringing all the same foreman. We're bringing the same job, the same crew. Let's just do it again. And we did it. And it was just as successful as the last one. Um, and so that was kind of, I always like to talk about is that's kind of one of the, the crowning jewels, so to speak of, I can say, listen, this was a guy who was way over here who didn't want to do it at all. And by the end of it, he's like, I'm not doing it any other way. Um, just because I think it, it went so well and he was able to see that it's not extra. It was actually, you know, it's just new stuff that when you get used to it, it actually takes time away from what you would usually have to spend on it. Um, but yeah. Yes. And absolutely, George, everyone listening, George has just given you another perfect nugget. Let me just unpack it a hair more so that people think if you missed the magic in what he just did and what he described is that he had a skeptic and everyone who knows me knows I love skeptics <laughs> because they are thinking about risk and what can go wrong or they have experiences and they know stuff has gone wrong. And George slowed down and had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the superintendent to see what didn't work. And then they were able in a safe way to talk about it without losing any face in front of the other people or, or being diminished in any way. That is powerful to give people the space to tell you why it can't work. And then to show, not tell, but to show what the process is going to be and that where are they in the process, right? Because the superintendent did not get eliminated from the equation. No. Right. And last planner system, you still need that superintendent to be that uh, the center, the center spoke of the wheel of all the value creators, for sure. They're coordinating. It's more than just a contractual thing. If you have a, you know, a general contractor on board with trades, information does have to flow, and there is a benefit to having a central person on there leading the charge. So, superintendents, if you're out there, and I know the. A lot of the superintendents listen to the show, George. They use last planner system on every single project. But right. if you're out there and you're thinking like, well, it might be too hard. I mean, now more than ever, there are so many free resources, good resources that you can see on what good last planner system look like, what it looks like. I, I recommend uh, Joe and Keon's book, The Lean Builder, to see another yeah, yet another example. Right, George? You've read that book. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a great way to kind of ease your way into it and stick your toe in, like like I was saying before. Yeah. Stick your toe in a little bit, change things gradually over time that I think are, are less less scary, and then work your way up. But yeah, it's a the way they lay that out. I think is a great way to start to get into it. Absolutely, and if you if you want to dip your toe like super toe dip, like don't even get your the the base of your foot wet. No heel in the water. You can always just expose your milestones out with the superintendent and have dialogue with the trades on that flow at a high level. There's something magical, George, about taking it outside of bar charts and just exposing it either on a, on a whiteboard or as diamonds and software in a program where people can move the stuff around easily without, you know, a lot of rigmarole. 
the easier yeah. it is for people to expose their thinking and check that sequence. I think it really anchors people. If I can move something around, we had a job where an electrician uh, brought to us in our master schedule that we didn't, we forgot that there was a very critical um, transformer to the power generation yard that was going to cut the whole building loose for permanent power that had to come out of a different sequence just because of a door. I mean, this, yep. no one had thought about that. No one had thought like, oh, this door is going to become an issue. And so, I mean, that if we had not had that milestone conversation, we would have missed that and it would have cost money that uh, unfortunately we would have had to pay for. So right. that electrician saved the, saved our bacon and also got us to move up earlier permanent power, which is nice. It's very nice to have permanent power in a building. It's a nice luxury. Yeah. No, absolutely. You kind of you need that for things. It's, yeah, you uh, kind of need it. Yeah, keep yeah. the lights on. <laughs> yeah. I will say the one more thing I do want to add with the last planner, and I think it goes to, it was a conversation I was having with, I know you, you know, uh, Hal Maycomer. And when we were kind of preparing for the course we taught at LCI, which was an intro to tax planning, you know, one of the four hour courses there, uh, workshops. But we were talking about, he was incorporating in um, kind of why lean and, and lean ideals have kind of caught on to other industries and what they're doing differently than us. And one of the biggest things that we were talking about is that whether it's manufacturing or whether it's healthcare in their healthcare operations or any of the other industries that you look at, they engage the frontline people to actually improve the system that they're working in, right? In construction, yes. unless you're doing last planner, right? It is, there's no way for the men and women who are in the front lines actually doing the work to come and give feedback to improve the process that we're doing. And so, and like, that's where I think such a big opportunity is for us is just getting the feedback and engaging them and saying, Hey, what can we do to make this better? Right. And there's the whole horizon of different things, what that looks like, whether it's last planner or whether the, you know, trades themselves are doing five S out on the job site on their thing. You know what I mean? Something along those lines, there's so many things they can do, but we just don't engage the workers and the people actually doing the work. And when you kind of step back and look at it and think it's like, that is the only thing that makes sense. You know what I mean? Is they're the ones who are yeah. actually doing the work. Why wouldn't they know how to improve it better? And they're also probably going to give you an improvement that isn't going to cost a huge amount of money to implement because they're not going to want to change a whole bunch of stuff they're doing, but they're going to want to do something that's going to make it better for them to do the work. So like, they're going to say, Hey, well, maybe if we went instead, we organized our job cart a little bit differently here. Great. It makes it easier for them. You know, what costs you 10, 20 bucks to get some dividers and different boxes for the cart. There you go. You know? And so there's it. I think that's one of the things that we do a terrible job of is <laughs> engaging the the men and women who are actually doing the work and we have such of this top-down mentality that all the innovation and all the ideas are going to come from the people in the leadership roles and kind of trickle down um and if we just look at the industries who have been successful in implementing lean and this kind of learning ideal that's what they do is one of the big things is they engage the people who are actually doing the work absolutely and companies like toyota where they create an environment where employees are giving two plus improvement ideas a day. I mean, could you right. imagine how cool if I was on a job site and all, if I was a, a thousand person job site and everybody gave two ideas every day, I'd have 2000 ideas a day. 
how would I even deal with that? Like in construction, that seems right. so foreign. Could you imagine that that problem, George? No, I know. I mean, even it's still the idea of having that much is still kind of foreign to me too, because I still, I haven't had the chance yet to go on an actual tour of a Toyota plant or anything like that, but I'd love to, because I want to see what that looks like. And I think it's, you know, we also have this idea of an improvement as, Hey, I'm going to change something completely where that might not be the improvement. It might just be a, Hey, we've moved this box from here to here because it's a shorter reach for my hand. Right. It's something, you know, to the Paul Akers of the two second lean, it's something that quick, but that's an improvement. Right. So that's one of the things that we put in for the day. And that that's that's the other thing is that we we have this perception that the improvements have to be these huge astronomical things and they don't. They it's don't. just a, it's something that that improves anything, anything at all. You know, change it. Does it is it better than it was before? Great. That's an improvement. Um, but yeah, because I, I want to see yeah. that empowering the people first like when you go visit toyota or you read these stories and these incredible numbers or like even paul Akers and what he's got going in his shop at fast cap with all the improvements all the foundation that that happens on is creating that environment where you a ask people for their ideas most yep. of the time i've heard people say well no one's ever asked me we were on yeah. a job we on a, i was on a solar job earlier this year and we were just looking at some inspection thing and I was being my usual self asking with curiosity and just to understand like what's going on. And the, the people commented to me like this, this guy is 22 years, uh, a laborer in construction. And he said in 22 years, I was the first person from management to ask him a question. And I thought, wow, wow. it's like, we're, we're like, I just opened a time capsule and stepped into construction. 1950 something. Yep. <laughs> so like if, if you're on a job listening to the show, go ahead and hit pause and go get curious about something in the field and ask people questions, not to show like you're a smarty pants, but with actual curiosity and hear from them, you know, why they do the things a certain way, how things are organized. And then as people talk out loud, expose their thinking, an innovation will emerge and encourage those people. If you're in a management position, encourage your people to go ahead and make little improvements to benefit them, benefit them first. That's why it's yeah. called the EBFC show, George. The first thing we want to do is make it easier for our people. Absolutely. And if it's easier for them, that means that they're going to be doing better work on top of it. So from a management perspective, it's a win-win. Win-win. Right? It's win-win for everyone. You're going to get better and more happy people doing the work. They're going to put out better quality stuff. It's going to be faster. It's going to be quicker. Great. Right. Is where do you go wrong on that? Uh, so that's right. Yeah. It's like, I, and people that don't know, like George and I have hung out past midnight. <laughs> we were <laughs> yeah. at, at LCI, which is my typical, that's my typical jam where I, you know, I go to hang out with cool people like George and, uh, we were, we were chatting over a couple of adult beverages at, uh, you know, whatever the third bar, I think we went to. <laughs> Maybe yeah, the second. whatever that one was. It might have yeah. been the Irish bar. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? A good, there's always an Irish pub in every town. Thank you, Ireland, for exporting just good culture-making, you know, locations for us worldwide. There's, exactly. In every major city, George, there's an Irish pub. Yeah, and I'm up in Boston, which means there's probably the only place that has more Irish pubs per capita is Ireland itself is probably the way yes, that it is. But That's probably true. <laughs> I remember somebody, somebody from Ireland 
had a friend that went to go visit Dublin and they, they called their friend that didn't even live in Ireland anymore. And they said, Hey, I'm in Dublin. Uh, what pub should I go to? And the person said, okay, are you, are you at your hotel? And they're like, yes. And it's like, go outside, turn left. First pub you walk into is going to be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, how did you know there was a pub there? It's Dublin. There's yeah, pubs on every street. Dublin. Yeah, there's going to be one there. It's, it's like we were just talking about Dunkin' Donuts. It's like Dunkin' Donuts here in New England. It's like you turn left, there's going to be a Dunkin' Donuts. It's pubs in Ireland. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I wanted to also ask you, George, you know, this, let's piggyback on this this capability development. Is there ever, from your perspective, a time where improving your work wouldn't have benefits for you? Because some people actually come at their work and especially in subject matter experts, there could be a tendency towards thinking that you've, you're it, like you're at the, the top of the pyramid, top of the mountain. When, when does it end, George? I don't think it does. I mean, I think it's, you know, I think when we get complacent, it's when, you know, if you want to call it competition or whatever else catches up to us, it's, you know, and again, it doesn't need mean that we, we stop and we have to keep doing these monumental innovations, but you know, we, it, I don't think it stops in looking at what we're doing and understanding what's going to make it better. And, you know, if you want to call them experiments, if you want to call them tweaks, whatever you want to refer to them as, but take a look at what you're doing and saying, okay, well, what happens if I changed this piece of my process or the way that I do it? and change it and see what happens. Maybe it does go worse. And then you go back to it and say, okay, well, that didn't work, but that's valuable, right? That's valuable to know that, well, that doesn't help it, but what's the other options and just kind of keep going through. Um, and I think that we do kind of get complacent sometimes. We're like, oh, we're at the top of the world here. Why do I need to keep pushing? Why do I need to keep getting better? But it's through that, you know, continually trying to get better at things that we bring everything forward. You know what I mean is I, I think if we stopped and said, hey, we built an airplane, right? It's like there's literally a way that humans can fly in the air. What else do we need to do now? You mean is we we would stop there, right? And now look at us all these years later of what airplanes and flying can do. So, you know, I, I just I don't think that there's ever a time where we need to stop. I mean, I think probably on a personal level, there's there's times where people will feel that like, okay, you know, maybe they're burnt out or maybe they, they don't want to push any farther and, and so be it. And there, there's that whole, you know, personal aspect of it too. But I just think we, we can't, we can't get complacent in what we're doing because I think that the second we get complacent is when problems are going to start to happen and we, we stop moving forward kind of as a society with everything that we're doing. Um, so yeah. Perfect. Kind of answer. My shorter answer on that. Yeah, that, that was a longer answer, <laughs> but I think it's a, it's a good point. Like, you know, people that come onto the show and share their experiences, we've got people from across the supply chain and now, you know, George, I think you're, you might be, you're in the top five, uh, technology companies that have come on the show and shared your experiences, like people, competitors to be sharing competition is actually good. There is a, right. a level of healthy competition. I want to go back to, to one of the things Dr. Deming said. Dr. Deming has been, William Edwards Deming, for those who don't know who I'm talking about, was an amazing pioneer in quality and also foundationally set a lot of the things that we now call lean that even people in Japan learned after World War II was uh, through a lot of the work that he had done 
here in the United States and abroad. And he was, he was epically larger than life, even abroad, uh, more so than in the U S but he'd had a, a fantastic career. But one of the things I remember there was a, a talk that he was giving that was, I was lucky enough to watch a recording of it and it was nothing but executives. There's probably over 300 executives in the audience, nothing but CEOs, CFOs, COOs, uh, executive vice presidents. This is the talk that he was giving in one of his seminars. And he was talking about that uh, learning and capability development and then this idea of complacency, the very thing you're talking about. And yeah. one of the executives was like very skeptical, raised their hand and said, uh, so if one of my people at my company, and think they were like a, a manufacturing company in the United States, if one of my people wants to learn about biology, am I supposed to encourage that? Like they wanted him to say, no, yeah. it has nothing to do with what you're doing. And his answer was absolutely. Yep. He said, you absolutely encourage your people to learn anything at any time. He's like, you cannot predict what they learn, how it will benefit them and you as a result of them improving themselves or learning something new. He said, you have no idea. And I remember what uh, Jeff Sutherland said when he was studying, you know, how great teams work and looking at how to make things better. And it was actually his study of cellular biology where mm -hmm. he learned how complex systems work and people working on projects together form a complex system. And you've got to have feedback loops and you've got to have communication pathways and you have to have ways to see what's happening. And there, and there are different ways to create that environment. It's one of the things that Scrum does. And so a lot of like why Scrum works so gosh darn good and why Last Planner System works so well, because it's borrowed a lot from Scrum, by the way, people I've heard, yeah. I think people have heard me say that before. <laughs> In case this yeah. is your first show, <laughs> Last Planner <laughs> System is borrowed heavily from Scrum. Um, you have to just be open. You might learn something in a completely different domain that benefits you. And that's, that's available to all of us. And competition is good. If you talk to your competitors about what they're doing, you might get inspired. You shouldn't compare yourself to beat yourself up. That's not positive for you, but you can absolutely be inspired to see there are, there are other ways and you can get better every day as George has so beautifully pointed out to us. Thank you, George, for that. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to yeah. give, uh, I want to give you another, since you're dropping all these, these nuggets, George, as you you've transitioned in your career a bit and you've changed and, and occupied different roles. Is there anything that surprised you? Like what has surprised you, Mr. Hunt working with a software company in construction? That, I mean, I, I think that the problems that I was facing on a regular basis do not just live within the company I was at. <laughs> um, and yes, so those, so those who go to LCI know that, right? Is there's presentations and things and you talk with all the like-minded people and you realize that you're not alone, but I'm talking even now more so on a global scale, <clears throat> excuse me, is you know, I, I've had a chance to talk to companies and customers all over the world and just to hear them talking about what they're going through. It's like, so you're in Australia and you're doing construction that's completely different than what I'm doing. And 
completely different trades and different training and all that. And yet the problem is still exactly the same. It still comes down to the fact that people still aren't communicating very well or you mean, or something like that. And it's just like, wow. Okay. Um, so I think it's just the surprising thing to me and not that I never had the idea that, you know, our problems went larger than ourselves, but just the view that I get to have in this position where I'm talking to so many people from so many different walks of life in so many different areas of the world that it really kind of brings everything in full perspective together to say like, you know, when we talk about learning and improving it from an industry perspective, it really is the entire industry. It's not just we're doing it just for the industry in the U S or, you know, over in Europe, they're doing things and just improving the construction industry in Europe is especially now with the internet and all the conferences and things we have is that knowledge needs to get shared because it's the same problems we have all over the world. You know what I mean? Whether it's labor, whether it's, um, you know, materials and supply chains and all these things that keep coming up, you know, with safety and, and everything else that people look at, it's the same problems across the world, right? As every company goes through with it. And, and there's the companies who will call the superstars who are very good at certain things, but they're still, you know, the reason why they're up there and very good at the, what they're at is because they look at everything else in the industry and learn from it. And so, you know what I mean? That's, I think, been the biggest eye-opening thing to me. It's just that the realization that I think that I had the idea in my head anyways, but the kind of the confirmation of these problems are systematic and they go out across the world to everywhere that we're doing construction. And it's not just the U.S. and it's not just Europe or South America or wherever we're talking about is they are all over the place because we're all still people and we all still do the same stuff. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? And, and so the, the work and the, the improvements that we're doing now, um, you know, in our own silos, if you will, on our projects is sharing that as much as we can is going to help everybody. Um, because that it just, like I said, is it, it goes and it's prevalent across the entire world with how people do construction. Yes, absolutely is. I was, I had the same like uh, epiphany as I did some work in, in Ireland. And then I've had some connections in different parts of the world and people, you know, Malaysia, Singapore, Turkey, Australia, you know, even more non-English speaking. I was shocked to hear exactly what you said, George, same exact problems. It doesn't matter the type of trade, the sophistication level. There are just some common, I would say like there's some archetypal problems that are just so prevalent, like the communication aspect. I remember an executive telling me that, uh, we were talking about some challenges on a job, a very large job. And he said, I know what you're going to say. And I said, what? He's like, it's a communication problem. It always is. I said, well, if it always is, and you've been doing this for 30 years, don't you have like some things that you that we can try or that we can take action on to, to mitigate this. Cause we've been on projects that are successful and we've been right. on projects that aren't what's, what's the difference. They're just getting people to not just throw their hands up and say, well, it's this thing and then blame something or someone, but to actually do like yours is suggesting share those improvements. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can just get better wheels and make them faster. Maybe like you said, George, we don't need wheels at all. We just fly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. You know, and I think it's, 
you know, actually, I think it was Deming who said the, um, you know, when we're looking for problems, if, if we're going to blame the people instead of the system that they're working in, and you think that it's the people's fault and not the system, take another look because it's not the people, it's the system. So, you know, the way that we work and the way that we do things is that's the, always the problem. It's not the people, the people are just doing what the system is designed to do. They're working within the system. So if we can change the way that we work and the way that we're thinking and, and having a better environment for people, I think it's, that's what we're striving for. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Ultimately. Awesome. George, you get the last word and then I'm shutting this thing down. Perfect. Last word. Well, I mean, or, I think. Or last phrase. You could get the last phrase. <laughs> last... yeah. You get the last paragraph, George. Oh boy. There we go. Um, you know, I, I think just to close it out for me is I think, you know, the work that everyone's doing out there right now, I think keep up with it, keep sharing, keep telling people about what you're doing, whether it's at LCI, whether it's at IGLC things. I know there's so many things now throughout the world that are doing the same kinds of things that LCI is doing here in the in the United States. So keep going to these. If you're curious, go to them to learn more um, and just, you know, don't stop. I think it is really the thing is just don't stop trying to get better at what you're doing um, on a daily basis, because while at first it might seem that it's a little bit of an uphill battle to kind of work in and know how do I improve something, we need to get better at it. Is the more you're practiced at continually looking at your work and trying to improve it, the better you get and the less of a burden it seems like. And so it's kind of getting over that initial hurdle and kind of ripping off the bandaid, so to speak. So that's what I'd say and leave people with is, is keep going, keep trying to improve. And if you're curious about something is reach out and ask people, is this the only way we learn? So George value has been delivered. Have a fantastic rest of your week and thank you for inspiring so many more people to share. Take that risk of learning. It's only going to be fun. <laughs> Let's go do it. Absolutely. Absolutely fun. That's the key, George. All right. Thanks so much, Felipe. Very special thanks to my guest. I'm Felipe Engineer Manriquez. The EBFC show is created by Felipe and produced by a passion to build easier and better. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. Let's go build.